0: Hello and welcome to The Alcohol File, a podcast series that explores how we can better understand the impact of alcohol in our lives. This podcast is provided by Alcohol Action, Ireland's leading independent advocate for reducing alcohol harm. I'm your host, Una McKinney, and today, along with our guests, we'll discuss the issues of alcohol-related cancers, and specifically on this, the day of Mouth Cancer Awareness Day, the issues surrounding mouth, head and neck cancers. Mouth, head and neck cancers is cancer of any one of the following areas. Mouth, pharynx, larynx, salivatory glands, nasal cavity, sinuses and the middle ear. Around 700 people in Ireland every year develop this type of cancer with a three to one incident ratio among men to women. Alcohol use is a known significant risk factor, and the advice from Ireland's National Cancer Control Programme is for cancer prevention, it's best not to drink alcohol. Joining me to discuss these matters, I'm delighted to welcome two women who have been at the vanguard of raising public awareness of the issue of mouth, head and neck cancers. Dr. Eleanor O'Sullivan is a senior lecturer in oral surgery and dental oncology at Cork University Dental School and Hospital. And Dr. Denise McCarthy is associate professor and consultant at the Division of Restorative Dentistry and Periodontology at Dublin Dental University Hospital. Both Denise and Eleanor were founding members of the Mouth, Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Group, which was founded in 2009, and have been the principal drivers amongst others, for the Mouth Cancer Awareness Days, which have been running since 2010. This annual event is held in collaboration with many partners, including the Irish Cancer Society, Dental Health Foundation, Irish Dental Association, National Cancer Control Programme, Spun Out, Cork Dental Hospital, Dublin Dental University Hospital, and a group of head and neck cancer survivors. So we've really we really want to have a, have a broad discussion this morning about a number of these issues and so perhaps to kind of open this discussion I'd like to maybe explore just a little for a little bit of time just the general overview of the direct link that exists between alcohol and attributable cancers and In recent times, we've seen a variety of very interesting uh, data coming out from things such as the Global Burden of Cancer uh, 2020 report, which highlights, again, the significant level of alcohol-related cancers globally. Um, And of course, we, we have known for some time of the direct link between alcohol and cancer. So if I can, I'd like to start with you, Eleanor, and maybe just if we could just spend a few minutes just generally talking about the the advice that is related to um, alcohol and cancer and what is that kind of relative risk that's around the consumption and the use of alcohol.
1: Absolutely, and, um, and thank you for the introduction. I suppose the first thing I'd like to say is that anybody can get cancer, and I think all of us have been touched um, I suppose, with this disease among our friends and family. But at the same time, um, all of us have an option and we know that we can take action in ways to reduce our risk. We have certain substances and certain habits that can increase the risk of cancer. And one of these is alcohol, as you've said. And actually, over 30 years ago, the IARC, which is a major cancer network stated that this was a group one carcinogen which is the highest possible risk of a substance that can cause cancer the same as substances for example tobacco and asbestos um, it has been strongly linked uh, absolutely absolutely without doubt with seven specific cancers and these are cancers of the mouth also the pharynx which is your throat cancers of the larynx which is the voice box the esophagus which is the gullet and, all, and also in relation to cancers of the breast liver and colorectal so looking at it from a global perspective this is actually associated with three quarters of a million cancers every year um, and it accounts for roughly 5% of all new cases so this is um it's actually quite a sizable issue so again looking at it in relation to different Um, individuals. For men, it represents about 7% of cancer cases each year, and also the same number of cancer deaths. And in relation to women, it's associated with about 3%. So again, this is a really important um, issue. Yeah. And looking at it here in Ireland alone, we have 900 people diagnosed each year with... um, a type of cancer which is strongly associated with alcohol and 60% of these are in the upper airways and and the head and neck area.
0: And in the context of just in terms of men and women, I mean presumably men are more likely Mm In the context of the risk, because obviously men are drinking more than women, is it primarily I presume.
1: Um, that would be true. And and also riskier behaviours are more common among men mm. you know, in relation to binge drinking, in relation to excessive consumption. Um, of course, yeah. And this has always been a feature, I suppose, classically throughout the years. Unfortunately, women are now starting to catch up in relation to terms of alcohol consumption, but uh, it, it still is... Um, it's a lot more prevalent among men. Um, I suppose we also have an attitude in Ireland that uh, this is a harmless um, engagement with alcohol as kind of almost a national pastime, but actually we have a very high um, intake of alcohol. We're actually the ninth highest in the OECD countries and we're the 8th in the top 10 in relation to binging countries all over the world so this is a huge issue for Ireland mm.
0: And in the context of that I mean the, the, the recent data from the the Health Research Board in terms of the uh, their study of the National Drug and Alcohol Survey you know highlighted again that the level of alcohol use disorders amongst uh, young people you know was 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 really particularly high and again yes. equal between men and women in that context.
1: Absolutely and actually 9% of alcoholics in Ireland are actually under the age of 25, and it showed that 40% of adolescents actually have used alcohol in the past month, and 16% of them admitted to having been drunk. So, you know, this is a very significant issue, and it's higher than the EU ratings, and even though alcohol doesn't happen overnight, it's the habits that people have um, start off in the early years of their teens that are going to increase the risks of getting cancer
0: yeah, and, that, and obviously if young people can, I suppose, begin to understand the risk of developing cancer later in life, that's, that's, that's an important message. It's a
1: very important message and I think that most people know about the risk in relation to tobacco, but I think people are generally not as conscious of the link um, that there is between cancer and the use of alcohol. And as you mentioned in relation to people who are young, particularly for young women, if they start drinking early, and they even have, for example, a relatively moderate intake, which be roughly two drinks a day, um, they are thirty four more times likely to get breast cancer than, than than if they didn't drink at that early time in life. You know, so
0: mm. and that's quite a startling data. It is, and of course that's that's what's sort of driving the. The measure within the the Public Health Alcohol Act, which of course is has legislated and enacted a law that says you know that this this link between alcohol and cancer should be clearly presented on on all alcohol products and all alcohol advertising. Now that measure hasn't been commenced, unfortunately, yet by the Minister for Health, but it does speak to why that measure is being uh, pursued by the, by that legislation.
1: I would agree. I think that's very important because again, I think nobody is calling for an absolute ban on alcohol, but this is about informing people, giving people the facts. And then if you have the facts, you can make an informed decision yourself, you know, and in relation to women, as I say, it's been, it's been proven that one in eight of every breast cancer is, is caused by alcohol. But as you, as I said, like, this is something that a lot of women are not aware of, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and well, again, uh, uh, precisely, and they're not aware of it because it's not told. Mm -hmm. You know, and that I think that's that's a key factor in trying to press forward with that particular legislation. Mm -hmm. Denise, we've 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 left you out there a little bit for now, but maybe we can bring you back in and talk to us now, maybe just a little bit about. The absolute specifics about the mouth Cancer Awareness day, and more specifically about you know what are the issues relating to mouth, head and neck cancers, and maybe give us um, a, I suppose just a general overview of of, of, of the first of all uh, the the various types of cancers that we've outlined uh, uh, and what are those principal causes and you know what should people be looking out for um, obviously the day itself, Mouth Cancer Awareness Day, is a terrific opportunity to raise awareness around these specific levels of cancer, these types of cancers. So maybe you can give us an overview of some of that.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Eunan, for the uh, kind invitation to join your your podcast. I'd like to talk a little bit about Mouth, Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Ireland, which was founded in Ireland in 2009. And uh, as already mentioned, both Eleanor and I were founding members of this which is a voluntary organisation. And uh, it's along with the Irish Cancer Society, as you've mentioned, the Dental Health Foundation, uh, very importantly, the Irish Dental Association, the National Cancer Control Programme, uh, Cork University Dental School and Hospital, Spun Out, which is a youth support organisation. At Dublin Dental University Hospital and Mouth Cancer Survivors. And it's this broad reach of our members that's very important in creating contacts and delivering our message and getting it out to a wide group of people. However, the initial driving force of this group was a lady called Leah Mills, who is also an author, um, when she was diagnosed with and subsequently had treatment for mouth cancer back in 2006. Seems like a long time ago now, but not so long really. Really? Uh, Leah found that there was little or no information or advice available uh, about um, mouth cancer in Ireland at that time. So our group now provides advice for people affected by mouth, head and neck cancer, which, as you've already outlined, includes 17 subsites from the nose, the nasal cavity, the ears, right down as far as the larynx and the voice box. So it, it, it's, it's a huge area Of small sites in the body. It's a small part of the body, but it's a very intricate area. And as dentists um, we focus a lot on the mouth, which we are well trained to examine. But we also are cognizant of other sites around the head and neck also. And uh, the first Mouth Cancer Awareness Day, as you've asked me, was uh, in 2010 and a free mouth check was offered in the Cork and Dublin Dental Hospitals and in general dental practices around the country. I'd have to say, much to our surprise, thousands of people attended on the day, and um, it was a great success and has continued to be so. And we asked the attendees on that day to complete a survey regarding what they thought might cause mouth cancer. As Eleanor mentioned, 76% cited smoking, but surprisingly, only 11% cited
0: alcohol. Gosh, that's very little really, isn't it? Absolutely.
2: Mm. And these results established that there was a very serious lack of awareness about this cancer and, and its causes, as the accepted main risk factors are smoking, alcohol, and if you smoke and drink, the risk increases substantially. And then also the human papillomavirus virus and sunlight affecting the lips. So these are these are the main risk factors.
0: Yeah, and that idea that idea of two things together of course, you know, the tobacco and alcohol, uh that that, that, that that's a pretty deadly mix I suppose in some respects. It is
2: a deadly mix and mm. as Eleanor has already alluded to the the kind of social aspects of alcohol in Ireland and the go on and have another and have a cigarette mm. with the drink or I don't really smoke but I smoke when I drink. So it really is a combination and it is a very deadly combination. So a recent audit of the Irish mouth, head and neck cancer patients, which has been done by Eleanor and myself, found that 76% of these patients attend their general doctor, their general medical practitioner for initial advice about their symptoms or their concerns. And this is a worry as Several studies have indicated that medical graduates, recent medical graduates report that they really haven't had adequate training or they feel they haven't had adequate training in examination of the mouth. And another concern is that up to 60% of Irish adults have reported that they rarely or never attend the dentist.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say it'd be be obviously really important that people get to the dentist rather than the doctor. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, in general, for for mouth cancer particularly, because... Mm. I think up to probably 80% of people are entitled to at least a free examination, a free dental examination every year, and it's important to remember that um, the dentist and the dental hygienist are really expert at examining the mouth and recognising early change and alerting people to those changes. But uh, so I'm 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 reporting lots of kind of downside figures, but on the good side. Uh, from our 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 recent audit, uh, we found that between two thousand and ten and two thousand and eighteen, there's been an actual increase in the number of mouth cancers detected by general dentists at an early stage, and this, to some degree, coincides with um, our awareness campaign. So that's been a good thing.
0: Well, that's a very good thing. Yeah, so, well done. Yeah,
2: <laughs> indeed. So hope hopefully that will continue and and be developed. And certainly, I do know from many years in education, dental education, that students are well trained um, in in the examination of of the oral cavity and in recognising early change. So that's that's an important thing for the public to remember and for our medical colleagues to remember as well that, you know, it's important for us to um, to work together. So, Over the years, I'll just give you a quick run through that. The groups that we've worked with from the public perspective with Mouth, Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Ireland and on the Mouth Cancer Awareness Days, we've obviously worked closely with with general dentists uh, through the Irish Dental Association. But we've also worked with uh, rural communities uh, through various farming and countryside organisations, encouraging people to get advice early. Um, In a more urban sort of in a situation, we've worked with marginalised communities such as the homeless and also um, people suffering from addiction, thinking mainly about people who maybe wouldn't have attending the dentist as, as high on their list of, of problems that they have to deal with on a day to day basis. Um, we've also worked with older men. As you've mentioned, they're three times more likely to develop mouth cancer or head and neck cancer and often will be living in isolation and we've managed to contact this group through the men's shed organisation a fantastic organisation so th- this, this has been a, a useful development as well and again then we've we've worked with uh, youth and stu- student groups uh, through spun out to discuss the increased smoking incidence in this cohort uh, even though the incidence of smoking in ireland has decreased somewhat over the years it has increased in the younger age groups in the late teens, early 20s. So that's an important one. And also, obviously, as um, Eleanor has mentioned, the um, use of alcohol. Then in 2020, we worked during lockdown. uh, We um, linked in with various elder uh, care groups and um, we contacted those because there's another bad statistic in Ireland that 90% of Irish individuals who are edentulous or have no teeth, And if they're older than 65 years, these people, they never attend the dentist at all, which is worrying because that's the high risk time for the development of mouth, head and neck cancer. I think that people have this feeling that I don't have any teeth anymore, so I don't need to go to the dentist. But at the end of the day, the dentist is the the is really an expert person to examine the sure. oral cavity.
0: So, what are the what what are the sort of the basic symptoms that people need to be uh, mindful of then in that context?
2: Well, the symptoms are it's it's very very important to be aware of the symptoms, and um, as you've mentioned about the Irish Cancer Registry, the increasing numbers, and there's also a suggestion that by Within the next number of decades, the incidence of mouth, head and neck cancer is going to increase significantly. But the symptoms will include um, a sore or ulcer in your mouth that doesn't heal, white or red patches inside the mouth, a lump in your mouth or neck. Very importantly, checking your neck in case there are any recent uh, lumps developing, Uh, thickening or hardening of the cheek or tongue. I'll just list them off. Difficulty chewing, swallowing or moving your tongue. Any changes, numbness of the tongue or face, a persistent sore throat and hoarseness of the voice and persistent nosebleeds or a stuffy nose. Now, you mentioned a lot of different sites, Yunan. And due to the inaccessible nature of some of these sites, it can be difficult to examine for, for people to be aware of these things themselves.
0: Of course, yeah.
2: Sites such as the nose are as you mentioned the nasopharynx, which is behind the nose, very deep, uh, the larynx, which is down into your voice box, and an area that we call the base of the tongue, which is quite inaccessible. So therefore, symptoms are the the, the things like a hoarseness of the voice are a kind of early indicators that, that there's a problem, and it's important that the pe- the public, but also so that dentists and doctors are aware. And if you if if anybody notices a change which lasts for longer than three weeks, it's very, very important to get advice from your dentist or doctor within ten days.
0: It's probably a good time to, to, to bring in to, to just to say to people as well that, that there's a really excellent dedicated website in relation to the Awareness Day and awareness of this issue at mouthcancer.ie and that all of those all of that information in relation to symptoms and early detection is available on that site, and it's a really, really excellent resource for people,
2: yes, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. So in terms of then just the the prevention of the disease, I mean, uh, obviously early detection is 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 critical in that context,
2: well, going back a, a step from early from early detection, uh, I think primary prevention of the disease must be given priority. Early detection is very, very important, obviously, and is essential to improve treatment outcome and long term quality of life and indeed survival. But primary prevention and trying to prevent the disease occurring is so important because so many, as we as we know, so many cancers are preventable at a certain level. And we, it's, it's obviously important to live a healthy lifestyle with no smoking and to avoid alcohol, be aware of the risks that are there to have a healthy diet, to get the human papillomavirus, the HPV vaccination, get the vaccination, regular exercise and to use sunblock on your lips. These are important things that we can do and that will hopefully mitigate against developing the disease in the future. And then obviously to attend your dentist regularly for a checkup of your mouth and teeth every year, even if you don't have any remaining natural teeth. And then To get to know your own mouth, as you mentioned, there's a video on the um, mouthcancer.ie site which describes examining your own mouth. It's not easy now to examine your mouth and you sort of just do the best you can by uh, having a light source to see into your mouth as well as possible with using a mirror and to examine your lips, uh, obviously your cheeks. And your tongue, but the important thing is to use your fingers uh, as well as looking. To use your fingers to feel around your mouth to feel if there are any changes, such as hardening or a lump anywhere in your mouth or cheeks, that will cause concern. Now, these may not be cancerous, but um, it's important to be aware of any change. It may be something that's simple to, um, to 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 treat. So it's important to examine, to look, and to feel around your mouth. And then finally, also um, to feel your neck for any changes, such as a lump. And you, I, we often found over the years with our patients who come in that they mention standing in the shower in the morning and washing themselves, and suddenly find that there's a lump which has come up. And it's important to get those things checked out if they're present for more than three weeks. To get urgent advice with your dentist or your doctor.
0: Yeah, well, that, they're they're that, that's they're great. Uh practical and and relatively simple things that people can do. And again, to go back to what Eleanor was saying, I mean, there is, you know, seven, around 700 cases or or more of this every year. That's not, that's not an insignificant number. And and of course, if people can be mindful of doing these um, prevention uh, steps, that would you really, we really have an opportunity to I suppose, catch some of these these uh, particular cancers early. Eleanor, could we maybe ask you to come back in and just talk a little bit to us about... I mean, I, I'm I'm conscious of getting into too much detail here for people, but you know, there obviously is a specific medical data set in relation to mouth, head and neck cancers, and obviously... You know the the burden of that disease and what that looks like at a global level, but also national level. Um, And maybe just to talk a little bit about that, the numbers involved, and also then just you know there's there's an issue here about the 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 impact of moderation and. If people are drinking too much, what what is the what is the the likely incident rate to reduction um, if if one is to cut back on one's alcohol, uh, and so that we give give people a sense of you know that there is something really that, that they can do here, um, um, and also to understand maybe if we can just the. The actual risk. Sometimes it's difficult for people to understand the actual relative risk of engaging with things like alcohol or tobacco. But in this instance, alcohol, and there's obviously a direct relationship between the level of alcohol that you're using on a weekly basis and your and your and the increases you're taking in your relative risk around cancers. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about that for a few minutes, and then um, no maybe problem. bring back in a, a broader discussion to close. No
1: problem. Um, and. I suppose Um, at the start we mentioned that in Ireland about 900 people actually get an alcohol-related cancer each year, but actually 60% of those are actually cited within the head and neck region and in the esophagus. And if we look in relation to men, um, if we look at cancer of the esophagus, which is the windpipe, actually half of those are specifically linked to alcohol and the same almost number in relation to oral cavity, which is the mouth, and also for the throat and pharynx. And in relation to the larynx over over one quarter of all the cases there in men are linked specifically to alcohol use in relation to women then I say it 's about a quarter of esophageal cancer, and roughly one in five of every of all the oral cavity and also the ones in the throat um, are specifically linked to alcohol, so it is something. You could look at it as being, I suppose, good news in a way because it's something that we can control. I suppose, and this is the reason that it's such an important message because this is something people can take control of themselves if we give them the information in relation to the risks and particularly in relation to heavy use of alcohol. Um, it has been absolutely proven beyond a shadow of doubt that if you're a heavy drinker you have a five-fold increased risk over non-drinkers in relation to esophagus, in relation to oral and pharyngeal cancer and in relation to larynx, the voice box. And if you think of how important our voice is to us, how we engage with people, how it's part of our personality, you have a three-fold risk of losing that very important structure if you consume a lot of alcohol, and for breast, as I say, it's one point six fold increase. Um, so these are all in relation to heavy uses, and um, but but even if you're a moderate drinker, um, you still have an increased risk. It's actually one of an increased risk over a non-drinker and for light drinkers is 1.3. So it's a small risk, but it still is important, you know, and something that people need to be conscious of um, because it gives them, it gives them a bit of choice. It gives them control over their own health. And I think when myself and Denise meet these patients, it is a very hard road they have to travel. If you think of how you use your mouth, your tongue, your lips, and what a huge role it plays in every aspect of normal life, People would be very slow to jeopardize such important sites if they knew the risks, you know. And it has been shown that if people actually reduce their intake from heavy down to even down to moderate, it cuts the incidence down by one third. And it also cuts the mortality Mm. rate, the number of people that will die from it, also by one third. Yeah, and that's an important message for um, people
0: really to understand. Yeah, that, you know, there is, there is, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, a real, real opportunity to to take control of some aspects of, of risk by actually reducing the level of alcohol use, you know. So less is the message here, really.
1: Less is the message. And I suppose also, I suppose my main message would be that this is something that you can take into your own control. It's a case of knowing your risk, knowing your intake. And people have a lot of misconceptions in Ireland about intake. Um, A study showed that 52% of Irish drinkers actually are drinking excessively at a hazardous level, and it's 78% of people under the age of 34. But when they were asked if they thought they were heavy drinkers, less than 3% actually considered themselves to be heavy drinkers. So, I think it's a little bit of a blind spot.
0: You know? Yeah, it is absolutely a blind spot and, and people mm-hmm. have really um, always, it, it's one of the great difficulties in, in the context of trying to have a conversation about alcohol yeah. use is the people actually really under-report under their level of, of alcohol use um, for obvious reasons because... Um, there's a, there's a whole, whilst the societal pressures to uh, yeah. use alcohol are great and the promotion of alcohol is extensive, the, the harms related to alcohol obviously is, a, is still a social taboo. Um, and so people always try to underreport their level of alcohol yeah, use.
1: Yeah and this is people who have admitted this amount so if you take into consideration that normally people do actually underestimate their intake it means the excessive use of alcohol is even higher you know and mm. again just looking at it in relation to mouth cancer it it makes very it makes Absolute common sense, because everybody knows alcohol is a solvent. It's, it's something all of us use as a solvent. So if you have alcohol sitting in the floor of the mouth, it dissolves other carcinogens and helps them to penetrate into the skin of the mouth. And almost all of the cancers that occur inside the oral cavity and at the start of the oropharynx, they occur in areas where the skin is very, very thin. And we call these the high-risk or actually coffin areas, um... And this is because you get the pooling of the alcohol. If the person smokes as well, it it, it aids all those carcinogens entry into the tissues. And then if somebody's a heavy drinker, they can do so at the expense of eating well. And therefore, if they have nutritional difficulties and deficits, it makes the skin of the mouth get very thin, which again makes it far easier for these carcinogens to enter. I think
0: that's a really important point. Um, You know, how, how alcohol breaks down in the body. Yeah. Um, you know that, that, that people really uh, that's a I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's just a, mm. such an important point that people really don't understand that the impact of of, of just the, the toxic chemical that yeah. is uh, ethanol essentially to the body.
1: Yeah and if I can make one comment on that actually because um, it starts off as ethanol which is alcohol but it gets breaking down then it starts off with a specific enzyme which breaks it down to acetaldehyde but that's actually highly toxic and that's a carcinogen that's the main carcinogen and then you have to get liver enzymes, the ALDHs, come in, and start breaking it down into acetate and then into water and carbon dioxide. But if you overload the body, you find you don't have enough liver enzymes to cope speedily enough. So you get an acetaldehyde buildup, which is a highly toxic substance. And this is why binging is particularly significant because it takes time to break down the ethanol into the acetaldehyde and then from the acetaldehyde into the acetate. And it, <laughs> You know, so it makes logical sense. It's, exactly.
0: Yeah. So those people who are regular drinkers and, and really drinking above mm. beyond the kind of the low risk guidelines, they're not giving their bodies any chance to yeah. recover. It just
1: isn't scientifically possible for the body to break down the alcohol at the speed at which it's being consumed, you know. So it's it's just basic common sense.
0: And of course women have a have a diff an extra difficulty in that sense because it takes their bodies longer to process alcohol.
1: Exactly. You know, well, and then you have specific people who can have kind of lazy enzymes which are called slow enzymes, which you can have um an extra difficulty you know, so all these things added together it, it it makes structurally real common sense to people if you think about it that this is a toxic substance that you're allowing to build up, and is this is this sensible like I think nobody would go into a room that contains asbestos willingly and yet asbestos it is. Is the same level of carcinogen as the IRC have actually rated alcohol to be?
0: Well, can we maybe in in, in just concluding our discussion? Maybe if we can go back and revisit the actual day, and and while, of course why why we're why we're recording this podcast is really to raise that matter of, of what is the mouth cancer awareness day. Um, and maybe Denise, just to give, just give us your views again, maybe just in terms of how important this this day is and what it is you're trying to really achieve from this particular awareness day.
2: Well, as, as we've already mentioned, the Mouth Cancer Awareness Day, it's, um, it's a great day for reaching out to the, um, to the community and um, getting the message out about awareness of your own body and what you can do to keep your body healthy and this year uh, an awareness of your choice in relation to things like smoking and alcohol that you must be aware of the risk factors and also of your your own choices that you can make in relation to these risk factors so the the, the main uh, thing about the, the mouth cancer awareness day this year will be to get that message out to people and hopefully it will reach all the other groups that we've we've worked with over the years as well
0: yeah, because I mean, you're you're doing pretty pretty amazing work in trying to raise this matter, and 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 as you outlined earlier, the level of detection is important, but also the awareness is so important. And. I was really struck when you said about sixty percent of Irish adults uh, rarely or never attend a dentist. I have to say I fall into that bracket myself. <laughs> so I think in the context of the message for people in 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 the in who have been advised to go to their dentist, and as you say, many people can get to the dentist now for free out of their out of their their PRSI contributions. So it's really important for people to understand that it is possible, and you should really go to your dentist. Uh, to have that check uh, because it's not just necessarily about your teeth you could be saving you could also be saving your life
2: at the very least it's important to um attend the dentist on an annual basis, if at all possible. It's very easy, as you say, Unan, when we all have busy lives and to, to put things on the long finger. And I think many people do that. They have the best of intentions about getting a medical checkup and a dental checkup and so on. But it is it is important just to go for that examination. It doesn't take that long and it could be an examination that would save your life. So it's an important thing to do. And to look after yourself.
0: Great. Well, look. Thanks very much. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say? One one
2: thing that I did I did forget to mention is that we're we're absolutely delighted as well as working with yourself this year in Alcohol Action Ireland. We're working with the HSE Healthy Ireland group this year, and um, this has been an absolutely fantastic development that we we've managed to link in and work with this group. Um, to get our message out there in 2021.
1: And Yun, if I can make one comment as well, thank you for very much. Uh, it's it's extremely helpful to highlight this issue. But I, even though we, we have a very, we have a very high rate of alcohol use and tobacco use among patients who get head and neck cancer, it, it is possible for anyone to get it, and not everybody who gets it smokes and or uses alcohol. So if you have any symptoms that last for. Over 21 days, it's very important to get checked out because at the moment, less than one third of our patients present in stage one and stage two. The average patient presents in stage three or stage four. So even if somebody isn't an alcohol user or is not a smoker, they can still get this cancer. It is much less common, but I want nobody to ignore their symptoms.
0: I'd really like to thank our guests, uh, Dr. Eleanor O'Sullivan and Dr. Denise McCarthy for their time uh, and what I think was a really interesting discussion. If you'd like to learn more about mouth, head and neck cancers and what you can do to mitigate that risk, again, please visit mouthcancer.ie. It's a dedicated website it has all the information that we've discussed today uh, and it's very well presented. Or you can follow the activities of the Mouth Cancer Awareness Day on Facebook at MHNCAI. And with the hashtag, you can follow at uh, hashtag Day. Or of course, if you'd like to keep in touch with us at Alcohol Action Ireland, you can follow us at Alcohol Ireland across all social media platforms. Next time on The Alcohol File, we'll be focusing on the changing nature of alcohol marketing and examining the dynamics of targeted gender promotion. But for now, thank you for listening today, and until the next time, stay safe.